the best place to get coffee and donuts. And I think our most popular one was uh, the best places to stop for the toilets in, in Manhattan. <laughs> Matthew Grant here, your host of the Instec London podcast and partner at Instec London. Well, how's your week been? Getting out and about a bit more? Now, we may be based in the UK, but innovation has no boundaries. And it's great to see that over half of you are listening in from outside of the UK. In fact, 25% of you from the US, over 1,000 each in Australia and Germany. And if you are our one fan in Bolivia, Botswana, Belarus or Guernsey, please do hang in there. We really value your support. Last week, Robert and I have been talking to people in France, Germany, Israel and the US and finally we're seeing people back in their offices, still fairly quiet, but the signs are encouraging. It's somewhat apt, therefore, that this episode was recorded at the last face-to-face meeting I held back in March earlier this year in the Brighton offices of Insure with David Dutchie's co-founder of Mobility MGA Insure. Now, you may have heard us talking to Paul Doran, VP of Marketing for Insure, on stage at one of our face-to-face events in April last year, recorded on episode 26. So in this episode, I learn a little bit more about the history of the company, why they've been so successful, and what they've been doing in the last 12 months. Uh, And also hang in there to the end for a recent update on what's been happening since we spoke to David in Brighton. David, it's wonderful to be here down in Brighton. This is Instec on tour. You were founded in 2016 and you're the only fully digital insurance platform for today's commercial and rideshare drivers, owners and fleets. Um, you've got a team based here in Brighton. You're also in New York. According to Crunchbase, you've got funds raised of $11 million. Uh, we've had uh, Paul Doran, your VP of marketing, talking to us a year ago. I think a lot has been happening since then. Uh, but yeah, first of all, it'd be just uh, great to hear a little bit about you and your uh, your backstory. We started. Uh, Dan was working at um, a a broker in in Manhattan that was looking after the yellow cab uh, market. He saw the opportunity with a complete different demographic. The average age of a of a yellow cab driver was about fifty six, and they you know were very happy to come into a, a broker's office and fill in some forms and have a chat. And then when Uber came to town uh, in about 2011-2012, the whole the whole demographic changed to sort of average twenty seven twenty eight, and they don't want to talk to anyone, sort of let alone be in in somebody's office. So that's sort of where the idea was sparked for Dan in terms of well we could build an app so these people could use the same tool that they're using for their their commercial life for, for buying their insurance. You're an MGA, so you are providing insurance to, as we, as we said earlier, to uh, rideshare drivers. I think Uber is one of your big uh, partners out there. But just from as a practical point of view, how do the drivers interact with, with Insure? We provide sort of commercial auto insurance. Uh, at the moment for rideshare drivers, although we've got some uh, new verticals launching this year. We can get all the information from the, certainly in New York, from the barcode on the back of their professional driver's license. So the idea was to give them a a seamless customer experience. 
so through scanning a barcode, we can then get their driving license details, their professional license, their car details. So in in a perfect example, it's just a case of adding an email address, a telephone number, and confirm, confirming the uh, the registration of their vehicle. Our, our quickest interaction has been less than three minutes from someone starting to actually get their, their documents provided. And, and do you find that people who are driving cabs are amenable to using an app to buy insurance? I mean, not all of them are very technologically astute. We did a lot of research. So before we launched, Dan and I would go and ride around all day in Ubers, getting our little prototype out and showing them. And, and the feedback was was very good. I think Dan used to describe the, sort of the old-fashioned way of buying it as a barbaric process. Could It could take two or three visits to the broker's office and with, with lots of time in between. Um, so we found from using an app, they're using Uber to sort of run their their business. They're using Grubhub to order their food and uh, you know Expedia to book their travel. So I think getting them to use an app was, was quite a logical step. The the challenge we had was um, you know we're get, trying to get people to part with four and a half thousand dollars on a, on an app. Uh, the, the challenge we had was people didn't know the name, so they'd be ringing up the office to say, I'm, I like your app, I just want to check you're a real company. And obviously over time, as we've built the brand, that's become less of an issue. But I think the challenge in the early days was proving that we weren't a scam rather than getting people to use uh, to use a mobile app. And that point about building the brand is clearly very important to you. When Paul was talking to us last year, he, he sort of talked about the power of the sort of network effect of the drivers often who've got extended families or come from the same communities. Can you just talk a little bit about how, building on that point, how you you market and sell to people and how you do build that credibility with them? Most of our referrals come from word of mouth. They, uh, the driver community, probably more so in New York than UK, but they tend to be tight-knit communities. So if someone drives, their brother drives, their uncle drives, their father drives. So what we've what we try to do is is work with those communities. So we do community events. We sponsor the sort of little league baseball and some of the communities there's a big spanish speaking community we make sure that our support people are, are multilingual so i think between the eight of them we speak 13 languages uh and you know we, we we try and present things in a way that is relevant to each individual community rather than taking it as a as a one-size-fits-all a little bit about the technology then so you're obviously using data a lot to be able to seem understand your drivers does that also come into the pricing it's different in in the uk and, and new york in new york the pricing regulation is is quite tight so we have to file rates and um, they are sort of based on sort of relatively traditional rating factors so we can't use that data in new york at the moment although we are in in conversations with the regulator uh, in the uk yes we do um, so we use things like uber rating it's a, it's a very good predictor of the frequency of, uh, of, of, a, of a claim. We see our, our, our differentiator, and this is with any markets that we, we may go to in the future, is, can, you know, is there a data platform that we can use to get additional information that allows us to give the driver a better price? Are you actually tapping into the telematics then? So is it, is it based on the, the driving performance or is it other, just other characteristics that you'd use in, in the UK for the rating? Uh, at, at the moment, no. We've done a, f- a couple of trials with different telematics SDKs. For me, the jury's out a little bit still on, on telematics in terms of its applicability. There's a lot of data there 
and I think it has a whole lot of complexity to bring telematics into the mix. And I think for us, we haven't worked out whether the return on investment is, is there yet. But we are, we, we're, we've done a couple of trials and we're monitoring it very closely. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And an SDK is software developers kit for anybody who doesn't know that. Yeah, so yeah, that allows us to take someone else's telematics solution and embed it within our app. And what about the insurance itself? So do, people, do the drivers actually actually need to turn that on when they're driving their cars or does it? Is the technology smart enough to figure out when they're, they're all connected perhaps to one of the Uber apps to know when they're driving? So in, in New York, the regulations are such that uh, all drivers need a professional license. That's unique to New York. It's it's different in, in the other 49 states. In the UK and most of mainland Europe, it's the same model. So we are, we are targeting those full-time professional drivers rather than the part-time sort of gig drivers. So the drivers in New York that require a license, is that the medallion that, that yellow cab drivers need to have or is that something separate? It's called, it's called a TLC license, a tax to the limousine commission. So uh, yeah, the, it's not a medallion as, as such, but they, they need that professional license. Good. And, and presumably as the more you're underwriting people, the more you're learning about different risk profiles of drivers, any, any sort of themes you see, anything surprising you about the characteristics that you, you need to take into account? I guess if it's risk selection rather than rating in the US given the regulation, but you know, what sort of things are you seeing that are interesting to you? We can see some of the macro trends emerging like the volume of electric cars versus, um, versus traditional fuel. Um, yeah, we we do a lot of analysis on this sort of mix of vehicle types. So, in so Toyota Camry is the most uh, popular car in, in New York. Uh, then we see sort of little concentrations around different areas where sort of different communities live. So, I, I, I don't think anything necessarily from a, a pricing perspective, but but certainly it's interesting in terms of the sort of the, the demographics of our driver base. I think it's about five percent females in New York, uh, which has grown slightly since uh, since we launched. And that, was that on that electric versus the traditional fuels, is, is there anything you can share about the difference in the risk profile between an electric car or the driver of an electric car perhaps versus a, a petrol car? I think in, in general terms, um, yeah, the, ele- the electric vehicle users tend to be a better risk. So the frequency tends to be lower because they are you know, typically people who are more aware of the environment and and the the cost of the vehicle is, is usually more expensive, so they tend to look after it more. I guess that the flip side is on the the severity. Um, you know, the the cost of repair can be quite quite significant. A friend of mine had pranged his Tesla bumper the other day, and it was a sort of four thousand pound and two months job to get it replaced. What you gain on the uh, frequency you lose on the severity. Great. And as we said at the beginning, there's not many people doing this out there. You've got this uh, ability to people to underwrite or to get beyond risk within three minutes. I mean, who else is, well, how extensive is this market now in terms of competition? Because it seems like the technology is fairly widely available. Uh, are there quite a few people coming into this space? Um, not in New York. So New York is, um, there are two main carriers that uh, provide uh, be eighty percent of the uh, of, of the market, and it's a, it's a broker model traditionally, and uh, and I think that still works well for them. I think you know it, it's that challenge for any incumbent if they want to move to a direct to consumer 
uh, model when they've got a big broker network you've got to do that very quickly and very well or else you sort of you know you're in limbo and new york is quite a difficult market to break into there's lots of regulation rates need to be filed which can take seven or eight months in the uk it's a much more open space with less regulation around around the pricing obviously more regulation around the, the operation but to get pricing approved can take six months. In the UK, you need to be regulated by the FCA, which can take some time, but pricing, there's less control over. So it's, they're quite different markets, in, in a sense. And the relationship with Uber, and I believe you do work with other insurance companies as well, but do they help you with the distribution of the, of the product? Yeah, so they have a panel of, uh, of five, um, five insurance companies um, and all of those companies are allowed to work within the green light hubs uh, we get some marketing support from them we we do events so that's as a distribution channel that works really well for us good and then talking about marketing i noticed on the website you your blog you're actually communicating by looks things to your drivers so one of the ones you've i saw in there recently is that you can talk about helping your drivers find out where the, the crowds were so you can give them some advice about places to go to pick up passengers is that right yeah yeah and it's something we've been you know very passionate about from the beginning is is building that brand so we have a a monthly newsletter called the surge and uh you know one of the things that's worked really well on that is is helping people with big events both in in the uk and in new york so they can sort of plan their work schedules also the best place to get coffee and donuts and i think our most popular one was uh the best places to stop for the toilets in in manhattan <laughs> so you can have a, a side business of uh, yeah the best the best toilets in, in New York. yes so david we just switched microphones now because we had some drilling going on in the background uh but what i'd be interested in is we're down here in brighton and it's not a natural home for insurance there's quite a big technology scene down here and certainly it's quite a strong creative uh, envir- uh, community as well but what are some of the sort of opportunities and challenges you see being based down here versus being based in a uh, an ins- insurance hub in a major city I think what Brighton gives you there is a big talent pool down here and there's quite a lot of people who are getting up early and commuting up to London so it's quite a there's quite a rich pool to tap into of people who maybe don't want to carry on that that commute and also you know we're looking um, outside of outside of Brighton, so we're doing some recruitment in the rest of the UK. So we've had it's an easy place to get people to relocate to, and also we've done some uh, recruitment from from the EU as well, bringing people over. So I think um, it's a place that that where people want to uh, want to live, and uh, I think if we have that benefit of people living very close to the office. You know, that whole well-being is, is enhanced and I guess the culture within the company benefits from that. Well, it's a great office you've got here. If it wasn't quite so cloudy outside, I think we might even be able to uh, see the sea as well. Yeah. Uh, so I can see why people you know, would choose to work down here versus being in London. But in terms of the skills for people you look for, you, you, what are the, the sort of hardest things to recruit for these days? Because there's lots of competition for talent out there, but what are the, the toughest roles to fill and, and how do you encourage people to come and work for you? Yeah, good question. I think the market is it's quite competitive. I think um, finding people who've got a good mix of in, of insurance understanding, tech understanding, and uh, you know have that sort of growth and entrepreneurial mindset. We have a, a recently had a new VP of people starting who has been a breath of fresh air. In terms of, I think challenging some of the 
maybe the insurance stereotypes and uh, the the way a, a traditional insurance company uh, might work. So we do things like thirty days holiday, well being allowance to people. Everyone has a, a a personal training budget that they can go to any conferences or buy any books from Amazon that they want. And you know, it's 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 a two way street. We want the best people, but we also need to demonstrate that that we're a great company as well. And it's uh, I think hiring as you say and it, for a growth company it's critical you know it's very easy to go too quickly and hire uh, the wrong people and you pay for that later on you know sometimes if you take take a bit longer you know you might have to wait a little bit for you to deliver some of your plans but i think long term we're, we're trying to build a great company for the future well clear it's working for you because you've been growing pretty rapidly in, in what sounds like quite an effective way can you, you just talk a bit about what's happened in the last 12 months since we spoke to Paul and then what you're looking forward to in the years ahead or the year ahead? Yeah, sure. So I think we've grown pretty quickly. So we were about sort of 10 to 15 people at the, the end of 2018. I think we're hoping to get to about 140 by the end of this year. Uh, also in the last year, we've uh, we've delivered sort of two major projects are our flex product which allows drivers to rather than take the traditional 30 or, or annual policies uh, they can choose any period from from 7 to 90 days and that was delivered on the back of a lot of the feedback we got directly from from the drivers uh, in uber hubs and uh, we launched our insure pro product in partnership with uber at the beginning of this year which is the providing uh, exclusive insurance cover and discounts for for drivers uh, with uber pro uh, status that reminds me of your earlier comment about the uh, the drivers rating influences their uh, insurance uh, a reminder for all of us when we are rating our uber driver we might ultimately be impacting the costs of their in- insurance do you see opportunities moving beyond commercial ride sharing into some other kinds of uh, automotive or even indeed other areas of, of insurance absolutely so you know the way we look we see mobility is changing um you know across everything so the pizza delivery guy is gone it's now Deliveroo, uber eats in terms of uh, actually owning a car it's going to subscription models or, or you get an uber we want to provide smart insurance for the new mobility era you know what do we mean by that we see a lot of a lot of companies coming into the market, but if there isn't a good insurance product behind these new platforms, you know, they aren't able to operate. So we want to become a sort of a seamless part of that ecosystem to allow these new mobility companies to easily launch and expand in, into new territories by providing an insurance product that fits in with the needs of them and their customers. And you know what we look for in that is some kind of data platform where we can take a, a traditional insurance product and make it more relevant for uh, for the for the consumer to, of today well we're delighted to have insure as a corporate member of instead london you were at some of our very early events i'd just be interested to know what it is that you see the benefits from a community like instec in terms of the, whether it's the brand of insure or your team or something else out there it's a really strong community in london we've seen some of the companies grow as we've grown it's a community where 
we want to see everybody do well and it's not, it doesn't feel like competition and I think we've got more to learn from each other than we have to be afraid of and I think you know sharing war stories uh, you know advice on how to get funded how to get capacity uh, you know I'm, I'm always happy to talk to anyone uh, if they do want any advice about that as people helped us when we when we were looking for those kinds of things so I think it's, it's a very open and sharing community good well I mean, thank you for sharing your, your thoughts now but also to that final offer uh, well Dave we've, we've covered a lot there is there anything we haven't talked about that you think is important to, to mention just now yeah I think I'll, I'll end with uh, a couple of pieces of advice I think to any sort of up and coming in, in sure tech or, or any technology uh, company I think the, th- the two things that I've found to be most important in growing insure is num- number one focus on the execution lots of people have great ideas that never ca- get past the drawing board or end up as 90% completed projects so work out what you're going to do and focus on the execution and I think the second thing which is particularly relevant in insurance it's make yourself easy to do business with uh, you're going to have to work with the regulator with capacity providers with third-party technology companies and it's a mantra that I drum into everyone in the company is make every experience with an insured personal team a positive one and, and that's how you'll help your business grow. Excellent well David that's been really interesting hearing the journey so far in, in building insure and uh, I'm about to go off now and talk to your team who you've uh, I think bribed with some lunch to uh, hear me talk about what I'm seeing going on in the world of innovation and insurance. And I'm sure we're going to have some, some very interesting and fascinating questions. So looking forward to that as well. But again, thank you. Thanks, Matthew. Of course, a lot has happened since I spoke to David uh, and not many people have been taking taxis in the last few months. So I caught up a week ago with Paul Doran, VP of Marketing, to get a quick update from him on how Insure have been getting on since I saw them in Brighton. Well, first and foremost, it, it seems like a, a lifetime ago uh, since we were together back in March, my goodness. And yeah, a lot has happened. Um, globally, we are active in New York and we are active in the UK. And, and without question, the lockdowns have had a, uh, a big impact on the movement of people in, in cities. And, you know, we've, we've seen in certain cities um, up to an 80% reduction in the number of um, vehicles moving around obviously as people people are just just not there i think a couple of things that have that have really come out um we've seen an incredible resilience amongst our customers uh, there was a perhaps a bit of a peak of of panic uh, late march uh, where customers wanted to change policies cancel policies but that really ended quite quickly and there was a rapid drop off and has there has been a, a um a relatively small or slow recovery, but we've we've not seen um, any any further dips. And I think, you know, it proves a, a resilience amongst customers. Um, we were quick to respond. We allowed um, prorated refunds without penalties, and most of our drivers are on thirty day policies. And so we really worked hard to give them flexibility. And you know, our data is showing us now. So from a kind of a low point of um, 80% reduction. We're now seeing kind of 30, 35% of drivers now of our customers back out on the roads with cities like Manchester and London kind of really leading the charge. And equally, you know, some other, some of the other metrics, we, we saw 
uh, rather more fun metrics, things like the, 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 the average speed of vehicles increasing uh, from uh, maybe like 15 miles an hour up to 20 miles an hour as there was nothing on the road. So we've seen a change, but we've seen a resilience and, and actually a stabilized recovery is what we're seeing now. It's what our data is showing. Insura, one of the many companies supporting us at Instec London, and despite our lack of face-to-face -face events in the last few months, we've been delighted to hear that so many of our members are still finding their business partners, employees, investors, insurance capacity, or just advice through the activities that they're doing with us and our other members. So contact me via LinkedIn or any of us through hello at Instec London to find out more about what we offer to corporate members. And if you want to get up to date with what we're doing each week, the news you think is worthy of note or just what we're thinking, then you can follow us with our weekly newsletter. You can find that on the website, plus everything else we're up to www.instec.london. Just click the top right yellow button. And finally, if you are one of our friends listening in from a remote part of the world, uh, please do make contact and let us know what we're up to. Maybe we'll even get you onto a podcast one of these days. Thank you.